If you're at your seats, go ahead and open to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Yes, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Let's read these verses together and then we'll pray and we'll launch off. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Ready? Begin. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You do desire transformation, metamorphosis, supernatural change in us, that we would be more and more like Jesus. And Father, as we continue looking at uh, how to practically uh, make this real in our day-to-day life, Lord, we ask now as we look at Your Word that the Holy Spirit would teach us, open our understanding, and then Lord, bring application so that we wouldn't just be hearers but doers of the Word. And in our faithful obedience, that we would be transformed by you. So we do this Sunday now in Jesus' name. Amen. Ken, can you take the bass out of here? Alrighty. So, transformation, right? And we've been looking at it from all different kinds of angles for a year plus now. And specifically, as we kick off 2017, we've been looking at, kind of asking the question, what, is, what does the year look like for you? whether or not you're a big resolutions person, right, on a calendar year basis, uh, it's significant, it's important. Say, okay, December 31st, 2017, when do you want to be able to look back on your life and say, wow, look what God did. Look what God did. And there's some, there's some proactivity, there's some intentionality, there's decision-making that goes into that. And we've been examining, well, okay, What's the core of it? What, why sometimes do I start the year off with really good intentions and then it just seems to maybe, you know, peter out, filter, just kind of ah, over weeks, months. I think Susan said minutes, right? It's just like, oh, man, seconds, right? What happened? And, and one, of the, one of the things that we've discovered over the last few weeks together is maybe it's because our resolutions, our desire to be Christ-like, maybe really about us. Maybe more of a self-centered motivation, purpose, goal, rather than what it should be. And so this morning we're going to continue kind of along that theme and we're going to start with, with a couple questions and, and, and take these questions the right way. If, you, if you've been with us since the beginning, you know, I kind of do some crazy things. I, I, I'm a very active learner and active teacher. And so when I ask questions or I bring in what you guys like, my props or my thing, right, it, it's all designed to help us engage in the Word. So we're going, to, we're going to start with two questions today. Take them the right way because they're the same questions that God has asked me regularly, okay? So here's the first question. Just think about that. Why are we here? 
And, and two, two ways I'll just plant in your head. Why are you here? 9.35, January 15th. Why are you here? And then maybe in the very broad spectrum, why are you here on this planet? Why are we here? What's the purpose? Right? Because if we don't understand that or, we, or we, we're, we're confused about that or maybe wrong, you know, look in the context of, of our church gathering. If you're not sure why you're here, you may not come back. Because your expectations may not be our expectations. Your desire may not be our desire. Because if we're not in unity about why we're here, we can get all crossed up. Right? Why are we here at this thing called church this morning? Why'd you get up? Because there's, there's a few thousand people sleeping still in this valley. Warm and toasty. And there's a number of them getting ready for the football games. But why are you here? I had ice on my windshield this morning. I, you know, it took a little bit to get here. Why are we here? Why are we here? Ask yourself that question. Okay, we're going to bring it a little bit, a little bit more closer to home. Why are you here? The right way. Okay, not like, why are you here? Why are you here, right? I mean, that's, that's not what I mean. Why are you here? Now, as a youth pastor, most of the hands would say, because I have to. Because I have to. Okay? Some of, some of you might be a have to. I don't know. I'm guessing, hoping most of you are a want to. I want to. You want to be here, okay? Why? Okay, so we got we got we got to please God, thing, right? But just why? Because again, if you're not clear, it affects your whole demeanor, your whole outlook, your whole willingness to engage or not engage if you're not clear on why you should be here. Why'd you come this morning? And and I've shared, right, you know, the 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 title of the sermon kind of gives it away, and I and I meant the, the punctuation marks in there. You know, it's not about me. Really? That's the question mark. It's not about me. Really? See, you've heard me say before, is church coming to church? About getting or giving? Do we come to church with, with this sort of underlying purpose to get? Oh man, you got to go. We're going to get some worship. We're going to get some good worship. We're going to get some good fellowship. We're going to get some good word. We're going to get some good coffee. And we're going to get some good donuts, right? Are you here? Take it the right way. Primarily to get. Or did you come to give? And what does that mean? What does that mean? See, if you're not clear on on why you should be here, believe me, it affects everything. 
It affects your commitment level. It affects your willing to engage and participate. Why are you here? Why'd you come this morning? What's the purpose? Right? What's what's the purpose? And then and then kind of broadening it out. Why are you here personally on the planet? Take up real estate and air? Is that what it is? Right? I shared with you a survey. Uh, 94% of the people they surveyed, they're just enduring today and hoping to get through tomorrow. Is that why you're here? Endure today, get through tomorrow. Is that, as believers, I'm talking as believers, is that, is that why we're on this planet? To bear our cross until Jesus comes back. Is that why we're here? Is that the purpose? Is that why we gathered this morning? Why are you here? Because if you can answer that biblically, oh, watch out. Watch out. Because these, this, this, this question of purpose goes way back probably to when you were a kid. If, if, you, if you had any time, if you spent time in reflection in your own life, you ever wondered, why am I on this planet? What's my purpose? Am I significant? Do I matter? Right? Those are, those are core questions all humans have at some point. Why am, I, why am I here? What's my purpose in life? You ever go through that as a teenager or whatever? What, what's my purpose? Right? Any of you ever been in algebra class? Working through an algebra problem. And you ask yourself the question, what does this matter? When am I ever going to use sine and cosine? Anyone? Right? What? Is this even going to matter in the real world? Right? This is a purpose question. What's the purpose between like geometry, side, angle, side, 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 angle, 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 right? The theorems, right? Really? John, you're a finance guy, right? Success, good. Love the Lord. In your years of finance, have you ever had to do a geometric theorem where you had to go side, angle, side? <laughs> You know what I'm saying, right? So we've all had those moments in class or in life where you're like, what's the purpose? Why are we doing this? Anyone, right? Why are we doing this? Well, let's just be real as we start 2017 together. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And it's a, it's a, it's a question that honestly, okay, if you're real and you let the Lord be real, ew, it's uncomfortable. It can be uncomfortable if you choose to go there. Because when he peels back layers and you're, you're gut level honest with him, oh man, he'll, he'll show you some motives. He'll show you your motives. He'll show you often for me, it comes back to me, myself, and I. And that's, that's not comfortable. And so I know that in churchdom, if we're not careful, even in do, trying to do church very well, we can teach congregations to come to church for the wrong reason. To come to church for the wrong reason. And here's what I mean. When Nadine and I uh, were married and we were going to have our first child, we went through a biblical parenting course. And the the topic came up, well, when when it's time to have kids, what happens to a husband and wife relationship if you're not careful when you have kids? Right? And so uh, they gave this illustration. 
And they said here, this is my wife, if you don't know my wife. So, so, so they said, okay, biblically, when you get married, a husband and wife, this is a family. You're already a complete family. Kids don't make a family. You're already a family unit. Would you like to preach the message? Okay, would you like? <laughs> Go with me here. Work with me. Okay. She didn't know this was coming. She didn't know this. So, biblically, we're a family unit. We're good, right? Husband and wife. We're a family unit. Kids do not make the family. We are a family. Now, when we have a child, a child. The question is, what do you do with the child? Okay, now, now hang with me. There's a choice you have to make. Now, with the best of intentions, and maybe because of how you were raised and what you saw, we love this child. Okay, she is our child. If you don't know, this is Tiara, number three. So with the best of intentions, what we can do, because we want to pour into them, we love them, we want the best for them, we want to give them everything we didn't have. We, we put the child here. And suddenly the child becomes the center. Okay? Okay? So now, our, our marital relationship actually becomes centered on the child. Is that what a child is supposed to be? Okay. Right? And then, here's the crazy thing. You get another child. (laughs) And if you're not careful because you want the best for all your kids and you want to treat them all the same and give them all the things I didn't have, right? He goes in the middle. And you, you, you make do. And then number three comes along. Okay, here we are. With the best of intentions. With the best of intentions. Desiring them to love the Lord. Love each other. Have everything we didn't have, right? So, so our lives are now consumed with this. And we were challenged, biblically, with this model. Because what we were challenged, and we have literally said this to our kids, you are welcome members of this family, but you are not the center. You are all members of the family. And God is the center. The kids are not the center. They are welcome members of the family, but they are not the center. Okay? Now, thank you very much. I need Bill and Tyler. So that happens in the biological family. But what happens in the church family? Yeah, he didn't probably, I didn't probably do this. So... So at a certain point, God calls us to, to shepherd, and we are shepherds. And we start at Cindy, 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 
start in Cindy's home. We start in Cindy's home. Six years ago, come here, Cindy. We start in Cindy's home. Six years ago, we started with 10 people in Cindy's living room. She opened up her home, right? And she wanted to be a part of this. Now, now, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Da, 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 da. Question. No, no, no. You got to earn it. Um, okay. Question. Where does Cindy go? Here or here? Where should we put Cindy as a church family? You have a choice. You have a choice. You're going to either put her in the middle or you're going to put her in the circle. Where does she go? Okay. So, here, here, here's the thing. Even as churches, don't come in the middle. Even as churches, if we're not careful, we put people in the middle with the best of intentions. With the best of intentions. Okay? And here's what can happen. Thanks, guys. Here's what can happen. Here's, here's the ramifications. Here's the, here's the consequences. Child-centered parenting can lead to narcissistic, self-centered kids. Because they are raised that everything revolves around them. So after a while, they're demanding. After a while, they think the universe revolves around them because they were raised in a family where the universe revolved around them. They weren't welcome members of the family. They were the, they were the center of the universe. They pick up that they are narcissistic. It's all about them. Me, 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 me. They're not part of a bigger system. The system caters to them. That same thing can happen in the church. If we're not careful. We want to give you the best worship. We want to give you the best child care. We want to give you the best fellowship hall. We want to give you the best facility. And if we're not careful in the church, we raise narcissistic Christians. Where we train you to look out for you. And that the church is supposed to revolve around you. And you'll stay as long as we meet your needs. And if we don't meet your needs because you're used to the church universe revolving around you, rather than you jumping on board and helping the church universal, you go find another church. Because the country is filled with churches who will foster that mentality. And we can fill the well with that philosophy of ministry. We just got to give you good music, give you great guest speakers, give you great child care, give you great programming, and people will come because much of our culture has been raised that it's all about me. Hey, you got to come to this church. Well, why? Oh, dude. And you give a whole laundry list of why they meet your needs. Is that why we're here? Is that why you're here? Careful. Careful. Why'd you come? Why are you here? Why are why why am I here? Am I as a pastor, as a self-centered? Is this an ego trip? Am I looking to 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 somehow land in the church hierarchy in the valley and somehow be able to say, "I have arrived. Our attendance now is bigger than any church in the valley." Is that what this is? This a trip on me? Is this is this it? For, for, for Tyler, is that why we ordain him as a pastor? Is it about, so he can trip out on a title? See, the, 
The Bible says, you know, the heart is deceitful. Our flesh. And so you have to ask these hard questions sometimes. Why are you here? What's the purpose? Is it just me and Tyler and Bill and now 70 of you in the middle? Where are you, Ty? I don't know. We got 70 now. And we drive ourselves into the ground catering to the 70 versus doing what the Bible says, training you up for works of service, that the body, the body of Christ grows by every part doing its work. You know where it says in Ephesians 4, 16, that the body, the, Christ, the body grows by every part doing its work? You know what that means? You're all in the outside circle with us. And there's only one person in the middle. Who is that? Jesus. We're all in the circle. And Jesus must always be in the middle. Amen? The minute he's not, the minute it's the pastor, the minute it's the facility, the minute it's a program, whoo, full stop. Full stop. Until Jesus is in his rightful place. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. That doesn't fill churches. This philosophy of ministry, this approach to ministry, which I believe is biblical, will not fill arenas necessarily. Because when you come to, to Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship, we see ourselves as part of the bigger body of Christ. We're not the biggest, baddest, anything. We're just a dot in, church, in God's church around the world. Amen? When you come here... Biblically, you have been gifted, and biblically, you were called to do your part. That's just biblical. Because it's not about us. It's about Jesus growing his church universal. Amen? So why are you here? Why are you here? Right? And, and um, here's the thing. We're going to look at this in the next few weeks, so I'm not going to try to clean it up. <laughs> necessarily sometimes we come to church and we expect it to be like a 30 minute sitcom right there's the initial and then there's the conflict and then in the last five minutes they clean it all up hallmark hallmark anyone right okay i know there's closet hallmarkers in here you're just not willing to raise your hands fellas all right so what happens in a hallmark movie oh get to know the characters and about 30 minutes 40 minutes you know, everything was going well, and then the ex-girlfriend shows up. Oh, da, 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 da. What's going to happen? Oh, they were so cute, and now I wonder if they're going to be, you know. And you know, in the last ten minutes, it always works out. Right? Sometimes we come to church, and it's like, oh, okay, 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 pastor, you know, we got to go. Can you clean this up? Can you just give me the, give me the answer? Well, you know, this, this purpose question touches so deep in all of us that you got to take the time to really slow down. Why are you here? Let me, let, me, let me phrase it this way. When you chose to get in your car this morning, did you say it with this purpose in mind? I am choosing to attend church this morning as a statement to this community that God matters. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> Was it your purpose to attend church 
for the glory of God. Meaning, you got up, you made all effort to get here so that by doing so, by doing so, not by saying so, by doing so, you would be saying through your life, Oh, High Valley, God is alive and God matters. Your very choice to be here this morning was a theological statement about the glory of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, think about this right now. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, we're just going to take baby steps the next few weeks. Right now, if someone walks by right here and right here, they see what? A bunch of cars. So somewhere along the line, they're going to think, wow, there's a lot of cars at the bank. Where are all those people? Oh, they're in church. I didn't know people still went to church. Huh? This is Ojai. What, what is that? Ojai Valley. There's a sign. Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship. That's a Christian church. There's a lot of cars. I didn't know people were still Christians. And before you laugh, let me explain something to you. One of my daughters was in Nordoff five, six years ago. Had a good friend of hers. Happened to tell her friend that um, my daughter told her friend that her dad, my daughter, that I'm a pastor. You know what her friend said? What's a pastor? What's a pastor? So when, when you come, why do you come? Did you come to make a theological statement to the community? Not about you and what you're going to get, but about God. But about God. Now, here's the crazy thing. I met a missionary at Bill's house who was in Afghanistan. I believe it was Afghanistan. And they met in a house church. And as part of their service, they would have someone sit outside the front door on a bench. And if things went south, meaning there was a crowd coming to kill them, the signal would be given and the church would disperse out the back door and get lost in the crowd. Would you come? If you came and somebody was, Tyler was sitting out there and like, hey, Ty, what you doing? I'm look out. Would you still come? Because then it'd be like, why are you here? Gets real, real quick when there's a potential price to pay. See, the cars across the street, you walking across the street, somebody may have seen you walk across the street and walk in that door and sing it as a statement. Do you realize that? Now, in some countries of this world, that statement will get you killed. You just don't think about that truth here. The fact that you're here today, right now, in some parts of the world, will get you killed. Either here during service or on your way home. There's risk. There's a price. So you better be clear on the why. You better be clear on the why. So I love the fact that, not just that you're in here, I love the fact that there's cars because it's a statement to this community to the glory of God. I love that these two beautiful ladies right here, we had this brief interaction, and they're not feeling well. But they said, we're here because it's a priority. So just don't let them breathe on you, and they're going <laughs> to... 
But these two beautiful sisters in the Lord are here because it's a priority. And that's more than just what they get out of it. That is a statement about the glory of God. When you're not feeling well and you choose to be in church, it's not just a statement about you. It's a statement about God. You see what I'm saying? So, so our purpose, guys, is not about us. And, and this is really good for where we're going to the well because it would be really easy to slide into putting the well in the middle of the circle. It's going to be real. That's going to be a temptation. Because when you walk in and you see the bells and whistles and the lights and the sound and the fellowship hall and the patio, you're going to, as a, as a human, you're going to want to latch on to that because it's very tangible. But that's not why we're going there. We are going there because that is just a greater place to glorify God. Okay? So turn to 1 Peter 2. Go ahead, Chai, you can put it up. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 through 12. My Bible went. First Peter, Hebrews, James, First Peter two, nine through twelve. All right. 1 Peter 2.9 says this. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Right? Verse 9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Amen? Is that good? Who is he talking about? Me, right? If you're a believer, he's talking about me, right? So who's he talking about? Right? That should put a smile on your face. We have spent countless weeks together looking at our biblical identity in Christ. Amen? New creation, right? In Christ, given everything we need for life and godliness, right? Amen? Right? Great list, right? Why? Because it's all about me. Tell me more about me. God, tell me more. What else have you given me? What else have you given me, God? Just keep it coming. Because I was raised in a culture that it's all about me. And, and my parents gave me everything. So God, just keep telling me more about me. Because, see, verse 9 keeps going. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Is that an amen statement? Okay, but keep going. That's a comma. That. 
My guess is many of us look right past the word that. That is a game changer. That is a game changer. That begins to answer the question, why? Right there in your notes, the term that is a term of purpose. It gives an explanation, guys. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So all this great stuff about me is ultimately designed for him. Amen? Okay, I know that's kind of tough because we live in a culture that it's me, myself, and I, and I am the end game. We live in a culture where, where if we're not careful, our needs, our desires, our wants, our goals end with me when I'm satisfied. This verse and what we're looking at in terms of why are we here is kind of tough. Because I don't know about you, but most of my day is scheduled around me. And most of the way I spend my money is about me. And most of the time when I spend my time and whatever resource, it's all about me. What makes me comfortable? What I want? When I want it? What's convenient for me? So look at this verse. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That. Everyone say that. Okay. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Right. That word declare. It's in your notes. It's to advertise. It's a proclamation to make known. God gives us. Look at. Look at the bottom of your notes. I love this quote by John Piper. God made us who we are so we could make known who he is. Our identity is for the sake of making known his identity. Being a Christian and making the greatness of God known are almost identical. See, Christianity is so much more than a ticket to heaven. And Christianity is so much Jesus coming in and cleaning up your life. Being a follower of Jesus is about making Jesus known to the world. Amen? What did Jesus say in John 14? Hey, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We're going to look at John and, and why Jesus came. But fundamentally, Jesus came so that us humans can get a clearer picture of what the Father is like. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Question for us today. Christians, if people have seen you and how you live, what have they seen about Jesus? What does your life reflect about the nature of God? Is it declaring the praises? It's not when it says declare, it is not what comes out of your mouth. That's secondary. We're talking about how you and I live. Verse 9 says, we've got all these great identifiers of who we are in Christ. And it says, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Are you? Does your life advertise, declare, proclaim who God is? Did you come here today to proclaim who God is? 
Because I just explained to you with the cars and coming. It's already, it's a proclamation. So kudos. You came and you didn't even know you were proclaiming something, did you? You came and it's a proclamation. Not about you. About him. Our Christianity is not about us. Our purpose is not about us. And that cuts so deeply against the grain of our culture and even the church, the current church, where we raise a generation and generations of Christians to come and be fed, come and be entertained, come and be this, come and be that. And suddenly, my faith, your faith, is all about me and what Jesus is going to do for me. What have you done for me lately? This, this question of your purpose, my purpose in life, as a believer. He's talking to believers here, right? Let's look at some verses. Very familiar. Let's go to Matthew. Look at Matthew 5. Matthew 5, 16. Right? Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before men. What's the next one? That they may see your good deeds and give you attaboys. And attagirls. Is that what it says? So that you can win the jewel on your crown. Is that what it says? So that the pastors can give you the trophy. Is that what that says? No, it says, in the same way, let your light shine before men. What? That they may see your good deeds and do what? Praise or glorify your Father in heaven. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's not why we're here. It's not why we're here. Turn to John 15, 8. Turn right. Last book of the last gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 15, 8. John 15, 8. Jesus speaking. This is to my Father's glory. That you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So, why do you read the Bible? Why do you pray? Why do you do any of the spiritual disciplines? Why do you come Wednesday night? Why do you serve? You see, if we're not clear on our purpose, guys, your Christianity and my Christianity can just become a bunch of disjointed works. Your faith and my faith, church attendance, Bible reading, prayer, service, giving, all of it just becomes disjointed activity. Not unified by one overarching purpose. We just become very busy. And then you get tired. Because somewhere along the line you forgot why you're doing it. And then it's because cause pastor asked. Or because I've always done it. 
You have to be clear on your unifying purpose. What is the big biblical purpose for you and me that unifies everything we do to grow, mature, bear fruit? Right? I don't know about you, but when I was an early Christian and I did all these spiritual disciplines, it was because I wanted to grow. And quite honestly, I wanted to grow because it was about me and I wanted to measure my growth. It was just about me. I was the end game. My growth was the end game. And then I start reading this. Oh, wait, my growth isn't about me. My growth is designed to bring glory to the Father. Amen? It's so much bigger than me and you. It's about the Father's glory. If you're bearing fruit in your life right now, you're just doing what you're supposed to do. Take that the right way. There's no special award for doing what you're just supposed to be doing. Amen? But we make such a big deal. Right? It's like my kids, they have chores. They have responsibilities. I don't hoot and holler when they do what they're supposed to do. You understand what I'm saying? They're just supposed to do it. Well, we're supposed to just bear fruit. We're just supposed to grow. We don't have to. We shouldn't have to. Because it's not about you. You are supposed to grow. You take that responsibility for maturity for his glory. That's kind of the deal, guys. And yet what happens is churches, because we want to, you know, we, we cross a certain line and we become congregation centered. We start patting you on the back and, and doing all this celebration and stuff for stuff you're just supposed to already do. Because he says to. I mean, I celebrate. Take it that right way. I celebrate transformation. I celebrate seeing growth in you. I see and I celebrate when you take a risk. I celebrate when you confess sin and you repent. I celebrate that, okay? I'm not saying I don't. But the flip side is, but you're supposed to do that anyway. You, you're, it's just right there. You're supposed to do it anyway. So I celebrate it that you're doing what you're supposed to do. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? That's because it's not about us. The purpose for your life as a believer and my life as a believer is, doesn't end with us. It's so much bigger. So much bigger. Turn to 1 Corinthians. All right, keep going, right? 1 Corinthians 6. First Corinthians six eighteen. It says this Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor or glorify God with your body. Lest you doubt that it's all about you, these verses just tell you you're not even your own. You were bought with a price. And that purchase has a higher purpose than just meeting your needs. The higher purpose is to honor God. That's why you were bought. 
That's why I was bought. That's why we were redeemed. That's why we were placed in Christ. That's why we were given everything we need for life and godliness to honor him. It's just about honoring him. Now, when we lose that purpose, guys, take this the right way. I'm going to be very careful. When we lose that purpose and it becomes about me and I'm the standard, income's compromise. Income's compromise. Well, I'm not as bad as I used to. And so we start, no longer is our purpose to glorify him. Our purpose is just to be better than we were. And if that's my purpose, then I'm pretty comfortable. I'm pretty, I I could land a lot of places right now and not change one thing if the standard is how I used to be. But if the standard is the glory of God, game changer. Game changer. Every morning I wake up, game changer. I have purpose. I have privileged purpose. Is it a privilege to represent God? Is it a privilege? We should do it well, but we got to see it as a privilege. He has chosen you and me, his church, to represent him in this age. Amen? So, question. Let's make it real to Ojai Valley. How are the people in the Ojai Valley going to know that Jesus still lives and still matters? How? Through what? Us! Great privilege comes great responsibility. What, what, what do your co-workers want to know? What do your neighbors want to know if you profess to be a Christian? Here's what they're saying. Does that even work? Is that even true? Does that even matter? Because I'm watching every breath you take. Every step you take, I'm watching. And what do they want to know? Is this Christianity legit? That's what you. That's what the unbelievers want to know. Is Jesus, Christianity, God, the Bible, is it legit in 2017? That's what the unbelievers want to know. Seriously. They want to know if it's legit. They know John 3.16, a lot of them. A lot of them know the Bible is better than us. What they want to know is if it's legit. And they're going to... Here's the thing. Here's the crazy thing. Unbelievers will make that decision based on your life and my life. More than what we say. That's just truth. Think about before you were a believer. Before you were a believer, did you ever have someone who professed to be a Christian that made you wonder? Keeping it real. Wait a sec. You're a Christian? Really? I saw you Friday night. After the football game. You know, one of the biggest challenges I had as a youth pastor is all my, not all, be very careful with that, a number of my youth group kids and what they were doing after Nordoff football game and the unbelieving kids who knew them and knew what they were doing and then knew that they were youth group kids and those unbelieving kids were confused. They were just confused. And then take that into youth ministry when you have parents who show up and they have to, hey Johnny, youth group, 
good for you. So I have kids coming to youth group, and then they go home, and they watch mom and dad. They watch mom and dad, and how mom and dad live, who profess to be Christian. And then, they, and then parents want us as youth pastors to, hey, can you fix my kid? Once a week, hour and a half, fix my kid. Now, don't question what we do at home, what we watch, our language, how we handle money. Don't, don't question our walk with the Lord, but can you fix my kid? See, I learned one thing in youth ministry. Teens are sharp. They are sharp. So they just sit back and watch. They just watch. Is Christianity legit? Starting at home. Starting at home. Right? And now for us adults, your coworkers want to know. Your neighbors want to know. Your friends in this valley want to know. Is Christianity legit? What's your purpose? They're watching. Right? For several weeks, I put this poem in the back of your notes. Let's flip it over and finally we'll read it together. The gospel according to you. The gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are read by more than a few. But one, the one that is most read and commented on is the gospel according to you. You are writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the things that you do and the words that you say. Men, read what you write, whether faithless or true. Say, what is the gospel according to you? Do men read his truth and his love in your life? Or has yours been too full of malice and strife? Does your life speak of evil or does it ring true? Say, what is the gospel according to you? See, if we can embrace that our purpose so much beyond just us is to glorify God. In your notes, look at it says glorify. Doxazo. Everyone say doxazo, right? To give others a proper opinion of God. To so manifest his person through your life that others will clearly see him through you. To give a correct opinion, a correct estimate of who God is. This is to be our lifestyle. If you want to glorify God, and I'm guessing if I asked you, most of the hands in here would go up. If that is your desire, it begins with how you live. Not just what you say. Does your life give a correct, a correct opinion? Does it advertise correctly the nature of God? Because the unbelieving world wants to know, is this Christianity legit? Who is this Jesus? Does he still matter? Is the Bible still true? There are a lot of people in this valley that if they knew you believed this was the Word of God, authoritative and truth, and that you tried your best to live by this, you know what? They would think you're crazy. Crazy. That you and me live in la-la land. That's true. Now, you don't think about that because you're around the light most of the time. To the unbelievers... The fact that we preach this, teach this, and do our best to live by it, we are crazy. Not so. Off our rocker. As the Bible says, foolish. 
So how are we going to communicate to them that this is truth and legitimate and authoritative and still life transforming? By doing it. Just by living it. Because if we're not careful, we can undermine it. And we'll close with this example. Turn to Romans. And we'll close with this. Romans 2. 17 to 24. Kind of close with this just to kind of let us chew on it. Maybe, you know, it's not a, it's truth. It's in God's word. But, oh, man, really challenge me. Romans 2.17. Romans 2.17. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you know his will and approve what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law of the, embod- in the, law of the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, Do you steal? You who say people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Wow. He is speaking to a group who are bragging about who they are and their knowledge of the law. And these Gentiles who live with them every day and see them in the marketplace and see how they really live are scratching their heads and they're saying, why should we honor this God that you don't even honor? And the unbelieving community in Ojai says, why should we honor this God That you Christians don't even honor. It's a privilege, but it's a responsibility. Right? People will judge the Lord by those who profess to be his followers, guys. We carry that weight. We carry that responsibility. It is a purpose. We We are given all the blessings of the Lord. Who we are in Christ For the purpose of what? Glorifying Him. Amen? This illustration, we're going to close with this because this is one that, man, look at that last line. God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Oh my gosh, that... Is there an area in my life, Lord, where an unbeliever is looking at it and I'm dragging your name through the mud? Is there an area in my life where I, by my actions, they're seeing hypocrisy? Is there an area of my life where where an unbeliever is like, well, I guess that really doesn't matter. But see, before we, we, we get too down on ourselves, maybe we spend a week just coming back to our purpose. Amen? Amen. Let's turn. Let's, let's close on a, on, a, on a more cheerful note. First Peter two nine. Let's go to First Peter two nine because we have to close there, guys. First Peter two nine. First Peter two nine. First Peter two nine says this. 
But you are a chosen people. Everyone say chosen people. Royal priesthood. Say it. Royal priesthood. What's next? A holy nation. A people belonging to God. Okay? Amen? Put a smile back on your face. Right? This is who we are positionally. Amen? Don't ever forget who you are positionally. And all we're asking you to do, all God's asking you to do in your purpose in life is make your practice equal your position. Just live out who you are. Just be who you are. Can we do that? Now, in the flesh you can't. And that's why we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit in a, in a few weeks. Because, quite frankly, guys, this is impossible if you and I tried in the flesh. Right? So it's a supernatural, spirit-filled walk. Right? But here it is. This is our position. And then he says, comma, and now here's your practice. And now here's your purpose. And here's our purpose. When we break the huddle today, ready, break. Right? Here's our purpose. We all have the same purpose. Amen? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen? How many of you can bear testimony that you were once in darkness and now you are in light? How many of you can bear testimony once you were lost but now you are found? How many of you can bear testimony but for the grace of God you might not even be on this planet anymore? Then just go declare that. Just go forth and bear the fruit of the Spirit. In that truth, this is who I am. And I'm just going to live who I am. I'm just going to live. You may not like it. You may disagree. You may think I'm cray-cray. That's okay. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Amen? Let's pray together and we'll take communion. Lord, thank you that you have called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. Thank you that as we sit here, our names are written in heaven. Thank you that as we sit here, we are new creations. Thank you that as we sit here, we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to you. But Lord, thank you that it doesn't end with us. Thank you that it's not about us. This morning we have heard very clearly from your word that... We have a higher purpose. And who we are in Christ ultimately is designed to declare who you are today. That through our lives we may declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. That's our purpose. We bear fruit to the glory of God. We bear We let our light shine so that men may see our good deeds and glorify you. It's all about you. Jesus, you are the center of this church, of your church, of our lives. And as we take this time for communion now, Father, I pray that it would be a time of reflection. Perhaps a little uncomfortable. Maybe hitting close to home. I know this week has been very challenging for me personally as a believer. How much of my life is centered on me? How much of church is about me? And Lord, how simple it is just to drift away from the purpose of glorifying you in the smallest of details. In the routineness of life, just to glorify you, to declare your praise in how we live. So we'll distribute the cups. There'll be two cups if you're visiting. We'll have the cups 
and then we'll take communion together after everyone's been served. Just a time of reflection, just to let the Lord speak to your heart. Why did you come today? Why are you here? And maybe to make things right, if necessary, in accordance with His word, in accordance with His word. Amen. Jesus, we hold these cups as reminders of your broken body and shed blood. And, and I think, Jesus, of, of your words in, in John 17, 4, Father, I have glorified you by finishing the work you gave me to do. Your desire, Jesus, was to glorify the Father. In fact, in John 8, you say, I do not seek my own glory. John 14, you say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus, your purpose was to glorify the Father, ultimately through obedience, which brought you to the cross. So we thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. We take this communion in remembrance of you. And now, Lord, make real in our own life the purpose we have to declare your praise out of who we are in Christ. And we thank you for that. So we take this communion, Jesus, in remembrance of you now.